Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hi there, guys, and welcome to episode number 15. I can't believe that we're actually like 15 episodes in. It's it's so amazing to be seeing this progress. But anyway, welcome if you are a new listener. You know, just I want to give you a warm welcome to the show and I hope that you enjoy it. For all the other listeners that have been with me the past few weeks and months, I would just like to welcome you to the show too and just thank you for being here with me today. And if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, uh, now's that opportunity for you to just go and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. So we are also building a Facebook community and it's there to join in for more interaction. It's where we will dive into the topics that we discuss on these episodes a little bit deeper. It's here where we can ask the questions and recommend topics for you know, new shows and also guests. So I'm basically creating this platform for us to collaborate and support one another towards, you know, strengthening our mindsets and stretching our thinking. And at the end of the day, becoming a higher version of ourselves, which is going to lead to bigger impacts. So if you see yourself as someone who's a possibilitarian or you want to be, and you want to meet and mingle with like-minded people, you want to start thinking differently about life then this group is going to be for you. So think about it. And if you want to join, it's on the it's on my website. You just go into the community uh, link in the menu or just go into Facebook and search Exploring Possibility. The group will be there. We're going to open it up soon. And I'll, I'd love you to be there. I'd love you to join in. So with regards to today's guest, today I've got Mimi Kalinda. What an amazing person. She's originally from the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Rwanda. And she's raised in South Africa. She is the co-founder and managing director of Afric Communications Group. And shortly, Mimi is an expert in storytelling. And she's really excellent at what she does. Basically, presidents of nations call her, you know, to help rebrand their countries. Just shortly on some, you know, of her achievements is... She's led workshops on storytelling and narrative and leadership as a trainer for the Obama Foundation Leaders Africa Program and also for the Africa Trade and Investment Global Summit, which happened in DC, Washington, DC in 2018. She's also the rebranding Africa champion for Africa 2.0 and was a finalist for the International African Women of the Year at the Women for Africa Awards 2016. So that just speaks volume about Nini. And I can't wait to just get into this episode and have you listen to what we spoke about. So the just like things to look out for in this episode are just basically superpowers of storytelling, uh, you know, just changing narrative, raising standards and changing or shifting perception about past experiences in order to, you know, move ourselves forward and at the end of the day, move the world forward. Before we jump in, what I'd like you to keep in mind while listening to this episode is what are you thinking about every single day? Like, what is your narrative? You know, how do you show up in the world? What are the things that you say to yourself? 
about yourself. Think about those things while you listen to this episode. Let's go. Hi there, Mimi, and welcome to Exploring Possibility. I am super excited to just have you on the show and discuss some interesting things today. Thank you for having me, Christopher. Been looking forward to this. Awesome stuff. So as with all my other guests, uh, let's get a little bit of background on you, like where you came from, what you're currently busy with. Should we just have some context to work from and, uh, and yeah, to enjoy the podcast? So what, what's your background? Wow. Um, that's really always a very difficult question for me because my background is so varied. Um, so I'm originally from Rwanda and Congo. I grew up uh, a little bit all over the world, um, Brussels, Paris, and then, you know, spent the majority of my high school years in South Africa um, and then went to school, worked in London for a number of years and then went to school in New York. I also, um, so I'm currently the group CEO of a company called Africa Communications Media Group, ACG. Um, we are a PR company, essentially. We're, we're an agency, a strategic communications agency. We're reputation managers. So our job day to day is, you know, to make sure that we, you know, enhance and protect our clients' reputations through various means, build their thought leadership. Um, and give them as much visibility for the amazing work they do. Um, we, my back, I started my career in front of the camera uh, many, many years ago. So I was one of the first presenters on Channel O back in the day, which, I mean, if you remember, I don't think you remember Channel O. You look too young. I remember to, Channel O. To- <laughs> but uh, but I uh, so I was one of the first presenters on Channel O, and then I got recruited by MTV, which is how I ended up in London. And then I was the first African woman on MTV Europe, which was lots of fun. Congrats! Um, yeah, and then uh, I went to I went behind the scenes. I just realized when I was at MTV, and I loved my job; it was so much fun. But I just realized that it wasn't in me to talk about kind of who Britney Spears was dating for the rest of my life. You know, I was just, I was like, you know, there must be more to life. Than All that. the vanity stuff. <laughs> yeah. So um, I took myself back to school and uh, when I came out, I went behind the scenes. So I started producing, working with various uh, uh, companies, both in New York and then subsequently in the DRC and then back here in South Africa. Um, and then eventually went into PR, worked for a number of big global agencies for a few years and decided to set up my own thing about five years ago. And that is where you are today with ACG. That is, that's a very cool story. As I read some of your background also, I was like, what do you want MTV? I watched MTV as a kid. It was so, I just went back into my memory and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Um, I was also fascinated when I read the following that you actually speak multiple languages so before we like jump into the you know the crux of this conversation what how many languages do you speak and why so i speak about six languages um i speak english obviously um which by the way i only started speaking when i was about 14 years old when we moved to south africa so it wasn't my first language and i've had to learn it and um 
it's been an interesting one. Um, and then French, um, you know, obviously being from the DRC, French is a first language. Rwanda um, was first language there as well. Um, and then I speak uh, some Portuguese. I really wish my Portuguese was much better than it is um, because I'm a bit out of practice, but mm -hmm. I still speak you know, and understand. I lived in Portugal with my family for a while when I was uh, between the ages of 10 and 12 or so. Okay. Um, I lived in Lisbon, went to school there. Um, and then I speak Kinyaranda, which is spoken in Rwanda. I speak Lingala, which is spoken in, um, in, uh, in DRC. Um, and I speak Swahili as well, which is, you know, kind of a, major East African language and being from Rwanda, my mom's family spoke Swahili at home as well. Yes, that is amazing. Like I always get fascinated when, when I hear about people that can speak so many languages. To me, it's only two. And then, yeah, there's another thing that I came across and I wanted to just find out whether this is you just before we jump in. Um, I came across a site that, that said the un, uh, unsuppressed thoughts of a life enthusiast. Did you yes. write anything for that website? Was that your blog? Yes, yes. I haven't blogged in a while, I have to be honest. Um, but that was the first blog I ever started. Wow. Um, yeah, the unsuppressed thoughts of a life enthusiast. That's quite a mouthful of a name, but I felt like it was cool <laughs> at the time. Um, yes, that's my blog. Cool, yeah. I came across it and I, and I saw your name and I wasn't sure, but it was about what we're going to speak about now. And it's a lot about storytelling and it's a lot about speaking your voice and owning your voice. And I, and I thought, wow, this is so cool. Like it just shows back, like it took me back to sort of your roots to where this all came about. And I was so fascinated by it. And also the, the name, it, like it's a long name, but it en encompasses what you're all about, you know, and that to me is fascinating. So in my opinion, your superpower is storytelling. So I just want to know where did that all start? And do you agree? Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. I like that. I'll own that. I'll take that. I'll borrow mm. that from you. Mm. Uh, superpower storytelling. Um, so, yes, I think in a sense I do agree uh, because, you know, I think some, you know, somebody's superpower is really about not just what they do really well, but really what speaks to them, you know, what they feel like is their mission here. And I feel like my mission is to tell stories, but stories that, um, that help to shift people's perceptions. Because I feel like, you know, you, with stories, you're able to shift perceptions and then you're able to shift behavior. In a lot of instances, you know, and you'll see it around the world with all of the various issues that we're facing, whether it's here in South Africa or even in the U.S. and other parts of the world, people almost automatically feel like they need to shift behavior. So there's something wrong. Let's send, send in the police and let's sort it out or let's get people arrested or whatever it is. It's about shifting behavior right away. But that's very artificial. And it's on the surface, you can shift somebody's behavior maybe for a little while, but it's not going to be anything sustainable unless you've started with their understanding, their perception, their mindset first. And so I love that stories are able to do that. And in fact, I think it's the only thing that can really shift people's perceptions. And particularly for me, it's about shifting perceptions of the continent 
um, because I do feel that we've been, you know, we've been the recipients of a really bad reputation for a long time. And frankly, some of it um, deserved um, and self-imposed and other, uh, you know, the other part, not at all, you know, um, it's been imposed on us with an agenda to keep the continent back um, from its uh, full potential, from fulfilling its full potential. So I do think that storytelling is a huge tool to be able to shift that needle. Um, also, I have a very kind of personal and intimate relationship with stories. You know, like I told you earlier, I learned to speak English when I was 14. And I and the way I taught myself to do that was through like soapies. I used to be addicted to like days of our lives and the bold and the beautiful and, you know, uh, back in those days, that's what was on TV. And, and as a little girl who couldn't understand a word, what incentivized me to start to learn the language was because I wanted to keep up with the stories. Like I wanted to understand, you know, I could see what was happening visually, body language, etc. I got into the story. And so by forcing myself to follow, I eventually realized, oh, I can actually speak English, mm -hmm. you know, it happened almost naturally. So I do think that stories have a very, very strong impact on people's lives. And, um, and so I want to always be involved in, uh, in, in telling stories one way or another. Yeah, there's, there's two interesting things that you just mentioned that I want to touch on. The first being you learning the English language. And there's another story that I heard. I don't know if it was a motivational speaker, but he also couldn't speak the English language language and he listened to motivational tapes and through that he sort of like shifted his own inner narrative to a specific um like he calibrated it in a specific way and then learned the english language at the same time and that just catapulted him yeah catapulted him into this like entire new level of of life and so that was the one thing and the other thing was how you how you view behavior which i'm very fascinated about um I'm also, I also come from a fitness background. So I work with women and we try and change how they approach fitness, right? And I've also come across the, the fact that they struggle to get to camp, they get to the exercise session, they get to, you know, do the actual exercise. And like you said, you always try and try change the behavior, but there's, that's, that's not sustainable. That's not long term. You got to go like deeper in. You got to get to the understanding, the perception, and ch change the perception there to to let it roll into more sustainable and long term growth. And yeah, just to if you want to see uh, sort of like a cultural shift, sometimes in your in your case, it needs to be happening at the the mindset space, the perception space. So I just love how you yeah how you how you started with that for us. That's that's awesome. Uh, you also speak very passionately about changing the African narrative, right? And I just want to know, like, for people that are listening, what exactly do you mean by the African narrative and how can people understand that better? So when you speak about the African narrative, what, do you, what exactly do you mean? So the African narrative for me is both history, you know, so facts, right? So fat, facts of Africa, I think that a lot of the stories that we hear about Africa um, have loopholes in terms of, you know, what actually happened, you know, and it's, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and we were saying, you know, the, 
the history of Africa has loopholes, partly because we come from a story sharing culture that is verbal. You know, so for a lot of us, you know, my grandmother's generation or her mother before her and even before then, you know, um, the way that they passed down history was by talking to each other, you know, sharing stories, etc. Mm. from one generation to the next. So there are loopholes in terms of, you know, where do we all come from? What happened, uh, you know, a uh, hundred years ago, you know, in Africa, for example. And, and I think that our, our narrative from a historical standpoint, we need to make a little bit more of an effort to find out exactly what happened and to go back um, and to be able to tell those stories. I also think that um, there is, there's an issue of narrative in terms of what we've been fed, um, you know, by media, you know, and other sources around who we are, you know, um, what we're worth what we have to contribute, what's our potential impact um, as a continent, as a people. Um, and, you know, one thing that I find very interesting being a communicator is the fact that if you're told a story over and over again, not only do you start to believe the story, but you start to behave according to the characteristics that that story assigns you. So you become the person that people say you are, you know, if believe if you're able to buy if you you, you allow yourself to buy into that um, and that's a very dangerous space to be because if people tell you and, and I've seen it over the years where you know a long time ago you know we as you you know there was that that um, uh, I think it was the economist uh, or might have been time magazine I'm not quite sure but that um, publication cover that said the hopeless continent you know, mm. so when you're called focus, the tendency could be that you actually not only start to see yourself as hope, hopeless, unless you really go digging for the facts and you have a very strong sense of who you are, not only do you start thinking of yourself as being hopeless, you become hopeless. You know, you buy into the characteristics of what you've been called. Fast forward a couple of years later, Africa rising. Now we have like so much enthusiasm about where the continent is going and we've never been more Afro-optimist than we are right now. But it's almost, for me, you know, we have to take a seat back and question those things because it's like when someone tells you you're hopeless, you become hopeless, and then you're rising. It's like, yes, let's rise. But is it really actually manifesting in the day-to-day -day of everyday Africans, et cetera, that we are rising? I don't know. Maybe it is. But it's just about questioning those things and saying, hmm, who came up with that? What was their agenda? Why should we believe in it? Does it reflect our truth? Um, and, and if we believed in it, is it to our own advantage or disadvantage? I think it's just about critical thinking, to be honest. I love that approach because that's, that's very similar to what I'm doing with the show. It's just on a more individual level, more on a personal level, rather than what you're doing, which is on like a massive scale, you know, for Africa, which is amazing. And yeah, I just love how you, how you, how you sort of like question the status quo. You question like what's happening and you, like you said, it's critical thinking. It's actually thinking about all these things and seeing whether it makes sense for us, whether it's going to take us forward as, as a, as a continent, and then whether the results are actually manifesting in our day-to-day -day lives to see whether what we are saying, what we are thinking is actually, you know, resulting. 
So very fascinated by that. You also tie in with all of this that like one of your solutions is to, to raise standards, right? I'm very curious because I, and I think you're like a very curious person as well, you know, because you question a lot. Where did you learn about raising standards? Like where did your narrative take a switch? Like it had to be somewhere. Was it like a, a low point or was it a mentor or was it like, where did it start for you? And why are you saying that we should raise our standards? So I once listened to um, something that Oprah Winfrey said. Um, she has bits and pieces of really great wisdom that she shares. And one of the things that she said that caught my ear was, excellence is a deterrence to all prejudice. And I was like, that is really, really interesting concept. And we should spend a little bit of time analyzing that. Because when you say that being excellent is a deterrent to all prejudice, um, that it has the potential to combat prejudice, to, to make it question itself. Mm. That's a really interesting concept for me because when you talk about I mean, prejudice is everywhere, right? And we spoke about Africa and the prejudice narrative that the continent has had to face. But also on a personal level, you know, I mean, I've faced prejudice in a number of different ways. You know, I mean, growing up, I was first aware of prejudice, you know, both racial, but also gender wise, etc. When I lived in Europe as a little girl, you know, a little black girl growing up in Europe, you know, in the 80s, um, etc. You know, you become aware of the fact that one, you're black, which I was, was a bit of a surprise for me because children <laughs> don't see color. You don't, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So then you become aware of, of your race, etc., and then you become aware of the prejudice against your race, which yeah. is also another kind of wake, a waking up moment. Um, you know, I lived in South Africa, like I said, for most of my high school years, and that had its own prejudice, being a non-South African black person um, who didn't speak any of the local languages. Um, I mean, I don't want to go into it here, but because that's not the purpose, but you know, we've seen what's happened with xenophobia and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. And, um, and so I really believe um, in what she said, which is just focus on being excellent. Do your best in whatever it is that you're doing and a lot of the time, that will shift how people see you, how people want to engage with you, um, you know, how they need you in their space to accomplish whatever agenda that they, have, that they want to accomplish. It will open doors for you. And it's, so it's a worthwhile exercise to do. So making that commitment to excellence is one. And once you've made that commitment, then you have to take a look around and be Self-critical, you know, I'm a big fan of self-criticism and definitely not in a bad way, not in a way that kind of bashes your confidence, mm -hmm. but in a way that says, where are the gaps as far as the standard of excellence that I've set for myself? Where are the gaps that I can fill in to be able to elevate myself to that level? And then that's where raising the standards come in, right? So then, you know, you have, once you've identified the gaps, then you have to raise the standards to this bar of excellence that you set for yourself, which is really going to make you stand out in a world that's full of prejudice. So that's where it comes from. Amazing. It's, it speaks in a way to work ethic and also to personal branding. And that actually ties into my next question to you, which is, I think I saw a video uh, where you spoke a little bit more about 
our narrative and our negative reputation. So this is as an African country and also how our brand equity uh, affects how other countries see us. So all of those combined is how other countries see us and then how they do business with us. Now, I'm going to bring that a little bit down to an individual scale again and then say, like, I feel that can be applied to individuals as well. Like if we as individuals work on our own narrative, our own brand equity and our own reputation, then we can also definitely negotiate uh, more for ourselves in our own lives. We can then, we'll be able to do better business. We'll be able to attract and create more uh, fulfilling relationships and, you know, with ourselves and with others. So I think if more people did what we collectively want to do, then we would do that collectively along the line. So I just want your opinion on that. How do you, how do you see that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And gosh, you've done your research on things I've said, Christopher. You keep bringing up. <laughs> Did I really say that? Um, but I completely agree with you uh, that your own brand equity is everything. I mean, you're you know you're in business. You are you know, doing this amazing podcast, and which is, by the way, the perfect example. I mean, your personal brand um, is the reason why you know people want to come on your show why they'll want to listen to the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a no-brainer that, you know, investing in that is going to be, you know, is going to have ripple effects of all sorts of benefits on your own personal life as well as on the business that you're building, et cetera. And that's applicable to everyone. So, um, and I think most of the time, you know, we kind of, I think human beings in general uh, tend to live very, um, you know, just kind of just go about your day to day without giving much thought to unintentional the questions. Exactly, very exactly, very unintentional lives. Um, and and I, it, the shift that happens the moment you decide to live life on purpose and be more intentional about what you do is incredible. Um, mm. I have this thing that I. And I always say, you know, I live in divine partnership with whatever you believe, you know, whether it's God, the universe, et cetera. But there is a divine partnership that happens, I believe, between human beings and, you know, something bigger than us. Yeah. Um, that partnership is just all I have to do is just wake up and do my best to build and then everything else takes care of itself. But you have to do it on purpose, right? You have to do it intentionally. You have to do it. And the same goes for your reputation, what you want people to think about you. You really are, to a large extent, in charge of how you, uh, how you show up in the world and how people experience you from a reputational standpoint. It's so empowering to just think about it for a second and say, if you go out and you find some sort of meaning, some sort of purpose and you work, you know, you put the work in, you try and be excellent, you try and be your best, then there's no way that as a, as a community, as a larger continent, we can't shift. You know, there's no way that it's not going to happen. And it's just beautiful how you just summed all of that up. You also recommend to, to people, um, especially the continent as a whole, to stop blaming past experiences, which I'm also entirely for, you know, regardless of what happened, it, it happened and it had an effect, but at some point we should then start owning, you know, our narrative and start moving forward. So how can people, and now this is especially Africans, 
view their past uh, or even current conditions as, you know, something that can empower them again? You know, how can they see it a little bit differently? How can they shift their perspective, uh, perception on that? I mean, I think we can start by recognizing that not a single one of us is has not been victimized in some way. And even when you think about the most horrendous of things that have taken place in our history, um, even the perpetrators of those terrible things are victims in some way, you know, yeah. um, or the, the, the generations after them um, will be victims of the crimes that they perpetuated. And so I, I think that that's a starting point to say, yes, we suffered and we went through this, et cetera, et cetera, but then we all did as a collective, human beings in general, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is we need to almost shift um, our viewpoint on its head and say, because we tend to um, emotionalize, uh, I did a, I did a, uh, I'm part of, I'm a Tutu Fellow. I don't know if you know the Tutu Fellowship, uh, mm. but it's essentially, you know, a group of uh, young leaders that just have a very interesting um, kind of servant leadership style. Um, to how they show up in the world, African leaders. And one of the things that we say is uh, a lot of us emotionalize the past and then project our enthusiastic, um, you know, sorry, our enthusiastic about the past and emotionalize the future. So we're not we're not kind of projecting this great, um, you know, thinking, oh, it's going to be great. My future is going to be great, et cetera. We're living in the past and we get stuck there. And we just put, make that kind of the space that drives us. And if we shifted that on its head and said, actually, we're going to learn from the past, but we're going to take all of this emotional energy and put it towards the future. Then you really start to shift the so-called narrative because you can learn from the past and you can essentially just you know, choose to look back and say, we're going to pick this, this, and that. And those are the things that we're going to take forward as lessons learned. But we're really going to put all of our emotional energy, all of our thinking, et cetera, towards the future. And that's how you move forward. So it's just about kind of shifting uh, you know, how we see both the past and the future. Awesome. So how can we use storytelling to our advantage to you know, move the country forward, move the continent, move the world at the end of the day forward? Well, I mean, I think storytelling, we, we use storytelling whether we choose to or not, by the way. Uh, communication happens whether we know it's happening or, it's, or, or not. Um, so we tell stories in various ways all the time. I think it's about choosing the stories that we want to believe. You know, I mean, we live in a world where, you know, there's obviously fake news, there's, we're bombarded with information, etc. My dream would be you know, I get very, very sad when I hear of the passing of an older person, for example. One of my saddest moments uh, in my entire life was when my, my grandmother passed away. She was elderly and, you know, it, it, I think it, it, was, it was better for her to, to kind of move on to the, to the next world. However, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, which is what I was at the time, I never sat down with her to say, can you just download everything that you have in your mind and pass it on to me, you know? Um, and that made me sad because I think that she, I mean, she had lived through two genocides, you know, 1959, 1994. 
she'd seen so much and had heard so much that I feel that I lost a piece of history, an opportunity to capture a moment in time in history that I'll never have again, right? Um, and, uh, and I feel that we need to do that with our stories, you know? So I would say, you know, if you have an elderly person in your family, you know, take the time to sit with them and ask them questions. I don't know why we, do, we don't do that in our, in our generations and younger people. The wealth of knowledge, experience, insights, and impact that these people have had over 60 years, 70 years, 80 years is immense. Um, and so they should be our first source of, um, of story mining. Um, and really, I encourage everyone to be able to do that. And if we all did that and we recorded that um, and we created, you know, we started to create um, kind of, you know, some sort of system to be able to capture these stories, we'll go a long way towards filling those gaps that we we're talking about at the beginning um, from a historical standpoint. And then I think the second thing that stories can do is just to, is lessons learned, right? I mean, you know, looking back at, and I, I really believe, I always say that there's no book that hasn't been written to address any problem that I might have at any time. Like there's nothing that I can go through that somebody else hasn't gone through, right? Um, so it's about finding those stories and learning from them. Um, and if someone's already gone through a challenge and found a solution, why do I need to go through the same challenge, you know? Um, so the same thing at a continental global level, um, I think it's just about being able to find the lessons learned in our common stories. And we do have common stories, by the way. I want to say that as human beings, we tend to focus on what makes us different, but we actually have a lot more in common um, than we think. So finding those stories of commonality will be, will be a huge asset for us as the human race, I think. Awesome. Yeah, there's so many things that you just mentioned that I actually wanted to touch on, but I'm not going to do that because we'll just go down this rabbit hole. I've got so many questions, but just some some points. As one, um, we spoke a little bit about books and the stories in there, and how can we, you know, how we can relate with that and then learn from that. So it's like they compress a decade into a day, and you can just absorb that and learn. That's amazing. Firstly, uh, Second was, oh yeah, history. Uh, you spoke about history and, uh, you know, grandparents and stuff. And history leaves clues. You know, we can learn from that as well. And you mentioned that you never got to, you know, ask your grandmother enough, enough questions. And I, I follow this guy called Brendan Bashad. And he also just once put out this video where his dad passed away and he never also got the chance to just interview his dad. And that gave me the idea of, of interviewing. And I thought to myself, I said the same thing. I said, why have I never ever sat down with him and just questioned questioned him, you know, about life, about what he went through, what his past was about? Like, to do an actual interview, obviously much longer than this, and just dive in and have like a three four hour session to see what his his history was like and why he does what he d does today. You know, it's going to explain much more. You know, we we always see things on surface level, and typically that's not always helpful if you want to try and help someone understand a situation better. Do it, do it. I encourage you to do it. Have that interview with him. Honestly, it's going to be... Can you imagine if your great-grandchildren got to listen to that interview or watch that interview? I mean, the lessons are just immense, right? Yeah. As you just mentioned that, I actually got goosebumps. So that's quite, that's quite awesome. Like, if you can just see that happening, like, they gave me goosebumps. 
<laughs> so um, we, we're getting to the close of the of the interview, but uh, before we finish off, I just want to find out like there's so much been said. There's there's a lot of lessons. People can definitely use some of this content to empower themselves and see things differently and start with something, right? So before we end, what is your vision for Africa? Like you speak about moving from potential to who we truthfully are. So I, I don't know what does that connect in with your vision or what? Like could you expand a little bit more on? what your vision is, where you see us going and how we get there? I think that, you know, um, twofold, two things for me. The first one is, you know, my hope is that Africans will start seeing themselves, seeing themselves for who they really are in terms of their potential and the value adds that they can mm. have on the world. Um, because it's not so much, and when we talk about narrative, you know, a lot of us who are kind of narrative champions, I suppose we could be called, um, talk about how people externally look at the continent, which is great. And it's one part, but most important is how Africans look at themselves. Um, and so my hope is that, you know, we'll get to the point where we have that more critical lens and we are able to, to really see ourselves for our full potential and live to that. I always say, for example, the youth dividend of Africa, right? I mean, we keep talking about we have the youngest and biggest youth population in the world, et cetera, which is all true. And as the years go by, 2030, 2050, it's, we're going to grow ex exponentially in terms of the youth population of Africa. And I always say Africa's youth can either be an asset or they can be a liability. Wow. Um, but if there are going to be a liability... Uh, or an asset for that matter, they're going to be that on the rest of the world, not just Africa. So everybody is, you know, it's, it's to everybody's best interest to ensure that these young people that are coming up have the opportunities to live to their full potential and contribute positively to global dynamics. It's not just one country's problem. It's not just one continent's problem. Um, so that's, that's really my hope. I hope that, and, and that starts for me as a storyteller, starts with mindset, you know, because you have to make them feel like they're capable. You have to make them feel like they're supported. You have to make them feel, make them believe in their themselves to not just be able to take advantage of the systems that we're trying to create for them, but to go out and create systems of their own, you know? Um, so that's, that for me is very, very important. And then I think the second thing is for us to start moving more from talking to action. So, you know, I always say, you know, all these conferences, I, I, I've started saying no to conferences just because it's becoming a bit much. It's like, mm -hmm. how many conferences can we have on the continent to talk about the development of the continent? It's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk, um, and there's not enough people um, actioning what comes out of those talks, but even the people who are actioning them don't have the support, don't have the visibility, and they're, you know, because there are people making a huge difference in their communities, uh, but they're just not on those platforms, right? They're not in those kind of fancy halls having yeah. those conversations in air-conditioned rooms. So more action, um, you know, towards, towards, uh, towards the development of the continent. And I think lastly, I guess the last thing I would add is to realize what we spoke about earlier is that there's a direct impact between shifting a narrative and the everyday 
of people's lives. So, you know, when you shift the narrative, you open up the doors to more tourism, you start to grow your GDP, you're able to attract more FDI, um, you know, all of those things happen. And then hopefully we can start to see a trickling down to the lives of everyday people on this continent, you know, the benefits of this Africa rising that we're punting. So those are my three hopes for the continent. Awesome. It's such a compelling vision. I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to get behind that and support that and join in with that vision because it's so compelling and it's so it's something that's going to move the content forward, definitely. So on that note, where can people, if they have to get hold of you or where can they learn more about what we just spoke about? You can follow me on Twitter. So at mkalinda. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Mimi Kalinda. Um, on LinkedIn, I post a lot of stuff and kind of my, my uh, thoughts on LinkedIn through articles, etc. Um, our website is africacommunicationsgroup.com. And you can also follow my, or you can also check out my website, mimikalinda.com. Awesome. Any books? Oh, yes. So I wrote a, an ebook in 2017 uh, that really speaks about. So, if you're, you're into communications and PR and how that works, um, it basically speaks about how um, in Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, and Ethiopia, those four uh, markets, um, you know, how communication is, can be culturally attuned to those markets. So I'm a big believer that you don't communicate in a vacuum, that communicating in Nigeria is very different to how you would do it in South Africa. So what are the cultural nuances in those markets that will help you land your communication strategy uh, in, a way that, uh, in a way that makes sense? So the book is called Talking to Africa and it's available on Amazon. Gotcha. Okay. So for everyone listening, I'm just going to take all of those links and put it in the show notes of this episode. So if you all want to, to dive in, follow Mimi or just get in touch and maybe buy the book. If you're interested and you are in that field and you want to learn more about the potential that Africa has, then yeah, just get in touch, follow that and you'll be able to learn a little bit more. So yeah, uh, Mimi, closing question. So what is your advice to someone that has lost all the belief in themselves? It's temporary. That's what I believe. I really think that everything is temporary. Everything takes time. Um, who you are today. I heard something very interesting the other day, actually, which I didn't know. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and I forgot the name of it. Apologies. But the person was saying that. So the person I was at 21, literally every cell in my body that I had when I was 21 years old has fallen away and been replaced by new cells. So I'm 40 to now, 41 now, mm. and um, I'm a brand new person, literally a brand new person, um, physically a brand new person. Um, so I think that for someone who's lost all hope, um, I would say it's all going to fall away eventually and it's going to be replaced by brand new hope because that's just the cycle of life and that's how the universe works. Those two shall pass. <laughs> yes, yes. That podcast almost sounds like the, uh, it sounds like a Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you don't know Dr. Joe Dispenza, but he always speaks about no. these types of things. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. you should check I out. Know that. Like, I was so surprised to hear. I was like, what? That's phenomenal. When you think about it at a psychological level, it's like I'm a brand new person. 
in 10 years, I'll be a brand new person. It's amazing. I've also heard that it's literally like down to the cell, you are a different person. So not just on a mental level, but on a physical level, you are even in less than a few years, you are literally down to the cell level, someone different. So that's, that's just amazing to view it in that way and to know that you can be a different person and so much more than just your, you know, your mental space. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. And Mimi, thank you. <laughs> thank you for helping people uh, firstly raise their standards. Thank you for telling stories that just inspire and encourage and stories that help develop people and at the end of the day, the continent as a whole. I loved chatting and to you today. thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me, Christopher. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you got value out of that discussion and that you learned something new that you can use and that's applicable in your own life. I definitely find that you'll, you'll find value in storytelling if you didn't before and that you're able to use it to your advantage. I want you now to go and use that. I want you to go and see how you can stretch your thinking, you know, how you can either strengthen your mindset through your narrative or how you can think bigger or think exponentially just by changing your narrative. Go and use it. Remember, the things that you learn here must be put into practice to actually start making a difference in your life. So just keep that in mind as you leave this episode and you leave the show today and you go into life. Think about how you can act on what you learn and start creating those new habits, start creating those new experiences from the insights gained. And uh, yeah, having said that, I'd love you to get in touch and let me know how this episode was. Let me know if there's any constructive criticism, you know, if we can improve anything to give you a better listening experience or just if you liked anything about this episode. No, get in touch. Let me know how it went. We are on Facebook and Instagram. So just as Exploring Possibility, you'll find us on those networks. And also you can just send me an email at info at Exploring Possibility. I'll be happy to answer any questions or, you know, tell you more about the show or more about future guests and topics. And as I said, join the group if you want to connect with like-minded individuals. We're going to start pushing that harder and harder because I really want to create a group that is going to be the big thinkers, you know, in the next five, five to 10 years. I want to create the group. I want to create the movement. I want to get the people together who are going to be the big thinkers, the people who are going to be acting as the leaders and the possibilitarians in life, the people who own their life and who are able to move forward. But yeah, having said that, that's all for today. I'll see you in the next episode of Exploring Possibility. And remember, don't be afraid to explore and find the possibility, guys. Cheers.